Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. And today we're going to talk about how do you live in a world where you can't please anyone? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We may have such a world right in front of us right now. So how do I live in a world where I can't please anyone? It used to be I can't please everyone, but now it might be that I can't please anyone. And we could talk about that a little bit too, about did it really used to be like that? Because I've heard a lot of people say, maybe more so than ever, you know, I don't. America wasn't always like this. I've heard that a lot. So maybe you it's think actually, yeah. maybe it's actually true this time. Yeah, because no, normally I'm skeptical of those claims. Like, well, man, yeah. this is new. It's like, no, I don't, I don't believe that. But yeah, maybe now because history repeats itself. But I will yeah. say these are the most bizarre days in my entire lifetime. I am 58 years old. The world has never been like this, and I believe this is a. Uh, once in a century phenomenon. Lucky me. Lucky yeah. us. Yes. Yeah. So before that, though, it is story time. And John, it is your turn to tell a story. You're up. Yeah, it is my turn. And I have a, um, a, a tandem story and show and tell. So next week I'll do the show and tell for the story. Okay. Uh, because I just bought a new guitar. That'll be my show and tell oh. next week. But it uh, reminded me of my um, journey of playing music. There's an interesting thing with... Um, identity right i would never call myself a musician because Good. it's not a yeah exactly um it's just not uh i, don't I would know. never call myself a basketball player well how often do you play basketball uh you know <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> i play my instruments just about every day but but thank you for the for the vote of confidence <laughs> i'm a golfer but i would never call myself an athlete how about that yeah yeah that's I'm, I'm we'll, bombarding we'll call, your story. We'll call let's it just, good. Let's call it good, and let's hear your story, because I really want to know. Point being, this is a story of how I started playing music. So uh, when I was uh, one day short of 15, so it was the day before my 15th birthday, I was 14, and uh, uh, I wanted a bass guitar. And uh, and I I showed you guys the exact one, because we were in a guitar center. It was like the $75 bass guitar. And all so, black. All black, yeah. Uh, and I didn't actually, like, I, I'm fine with how it looks, but I didn't pick it because of that. I picked it because it was $75 and I thought I had a better chance of getting it because it was $75. Um, you knew your parents well. Yeah. And, um, so anyway, uh, my brother, Tim, the day before my birthday says he has my birthday gift for me cause he won't be able to be there on my actual 15th birthday. And so, but it's a gift related to your guy's gift. So you decide to give them to me at the same time, which is he's giving me a amp for this bass. And then you decided to give me the bass because it would be, you know, I wonder what my parents are going to get me since I just got this amp for my brother <laughs> the day before my birthday. So uh, I played bass for, uh, bass alone for, um, uh, how old was I in 2015? We'll, we'll just call it like six years, I guess. Um, so I, I played uh, basically alone for a long time. And then the youth uh, band needed a bassist. So I started playing bass for the church youth for... Um, like my last two years of, of, uh, my senior year of high school and then my one year going to South Beach Sound Community College. So, so still living in the Olympia area. And then, um, I went up to Northwest and, uh, I didn't play for the band up there because again, not a musician and their pool of talent is huge. So I didn't feel like I was necessarily needed, let alone could keep up because I've never had lessons or anything like that. Uh, I, I, when I started playing for Evergreen, the, um, uh, worship guy for the youth there, Michael Thompson, if anybody remembers him, uh, he taught me a few times and, and, um, that really helped actually. Yeah. He's a good, uh, he's a fantastic drummer. Yeah. Well, he's, he's really good at basically all, yeah. Yeah, all, all instruments. Um, good drummer too. Oh, did you, you said that. I thought you said mm-hmm. guitars for some reason. No, and he's then, my favorite drummer. Yeah. Very good. Maybe drummer. of all time. Yeah. Um, so anyway, then, uh, going to Northwest, I started looking at, uh, guitars just having the room and uh, and learn how to play. And uh, my cousin Joseph is moving to Where Ohio. They, Ohio, thank you. He wanted to say Idaho, Ohio. And uh, and he's I asked, I asked him about this guitar that he had, and he just simply doesn't want it. He has a um, I think he had an acoustic at the time. I don't exactly know, but he gives me this electric guitar. It's a um, 
Uh, I don't have it. I put it away since I got this new guitar, so I actually don't remember even the brand. But it's a Les Paul kind of knockoff. Oh. So it's, it's not a Gibson Les Paul. It is a um, Fender uh, Epiphone. 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 Yeah. Uh, and it's actually pretty nice. So I bring that up there, and I uh, just, you know, play that when I'm supposed to be doing homework or something like that. <laughs> and uh, And... I really like it, and I still like that guitar. So anyway, that goes on for a few years. Still never... Actually, I, I did take guitar lessons at Northwest for one semester for a uh, an elective credit, and that guy was also great. He I caught him for his last semester at Northwest before he moved across the country with his wife for something. And uh, and yeah, so I'll show this new guitar eventually, um, but I don't really... Six or 12 string? Uh, six. Six, and uh, it's nice. It's It's used... Uh, it is a well. No, that's all for the. I was gonna. I was gonna. Start have you that. have you for, for uh, written a new song about how amazing your father was? My father? Yeah. No, I don't write you any should. songs. You should write a song about how amazing <laughs> you know your dad is, or something. Yeah, I'll, I'll write songs. About Just how an much, idea. How much he picks on me. It'll be a blues song. <laughs> It'll be about how, how tough everything was growing yeah, up. And, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. got the. Mean dad blues. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so anyway, and no, uh, no, uh, like Tim, my brother also played guitar uh, for a long time. We're still, yeah. I mean, still does, but he started pretty young. And I asked him to give me a lesson um, before I got my bass on this really cheap little blue acoustic that we had. Oh, I remember that. We called it Carlos or something, didn't we? Or something. Every, every kid in the family picked up that guitar for at least a week. Yeah. And none of them stuck except for Tim. And I didn't until much later. But he ga- he gave me one lesson one night, and he was just pulling his hair out. My brother's a lot of things, but a good teacher is not not necessarily one of them. A patient teacher. A patient yeah. teacher. Yeah, he just couldn't handle it. And uh, <laughs> and yeah, it was pretty funny. But I, I don't um, I don't be be grown be be begrudge. Be I don't begrudge him for that. Yeah. yeah. Don't begrown him either. But you no. you, haven't, you don't begrudge him. Yeah. So, but yeah, not a not especially. We listen to music a lot, but not not a musician's household either. Except your dad played. My dad what? played. He was a great guitarist. Yeah. Anyway. Sue, Sue plays instruments. Her family plays instruments. Yeah. yeah, the Burnett side is very musical. Yeah. Pam, my aunt. Yeah, I can't yeah. play the radio. You you could play stuff if you tried. What it has We've taught had this me, debate forever. Yeah, we have. Because what this has taught me is that anybody can play an instrument. Not everybody could be amazing at it, but anybody could, could play you know, a, an instrument like a guitar. Let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Could you play golf? Yeah, to the to the level that I can play guitar. Yes. No. 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 Well, I don't know if that's an insult on my guitar skills or my golf skills, but your or, golf <laughs> skills. So my point is that not everybody has the potential to do everything. I I think there are some things that I cannot do, and guitar is one of them. Yeah, I think singing is more uh more like that where you're more uh, inhibited by your by what you're born with yeah. than something like guitar where even if you can't really keep it keep time very well or if you're tone deaf you mm-hmm. can still read music and and do about your best have a metronome where singing you know maybe some people just can't plain can't do it like i feel that way you know yeah I could never sing as well as I play golf, even. And I play golf like a blind person with no hands. <laughs> a blind person with no hands. Uh, all right, let's get down to our subject today, John. Okay. We're talking about uh, how do you live in a world where you can't please anyone? Uh, are you a people pleaser, John? Yeah. <laughs> I would say that's like one of my core motivations on my daily my daily life. Yeah, and so uh, how do you feel in this world currently? about your ability to please people? Well, I'm a people pleaser, and I don't spend a whole lot of time on um, social media. More and more, actually, I do, specifically Instagram. Um, but I guess I keep it kind of insular. So my people pleasing is, um, is you know, people I interact with physically. And so uh, a lot of them think at least similar to how I do. There's not a lot of, you know, like there's that book you read, Republican Like Me, yeah, which is that how um, certain circles like this guy, he was a past president of NPR. Um, nobody he knew uh, was Republican and nobody he knew knew a Republican. So he right. was two circles deep in this thing. Yeah. And I wouldn't say I'm that extreme. I know some some Democrats, but um, but most people I I interact with are Christians or or Christian ish, you know. Yeah. That, there's not a people who like I see online and I go, how do you think the way you think? You know, like that. 
I don't interact with a lot of those people. So my people pleasing is generally easy. And I generally don't, um, I don't get riled up too easy. Maybe would be the way Mm -hmm. to put it. I don't feel the need to share my opinion very often, which saves me a lot of because it might not please people. Yeah. Yeah. So do you, do you say the world is the same for you as it's always been? This, this season is not increased your, no, uh, your attention in this regard. Right. So I think, I think when, when we say, um, you can't please anybody anymore rather than you can't please everybody. Yeah. That's because of the, um, the extremes, you know, we, we've played the sounded the, um, frustrated majority gong probably a dozen times over the course of the, of our episodes. And I feel like that's more and more frustrating to be there. That's frustration. We feel, I think is that the frustrated majority is more and more frustrated. Yeah. Um, because the extremes are so much more extreme, you know, now, now like, uh, um, you know, you see white supremacy, uh, like, like imagery at a Trump rally, who's the standing president. And you see, um, people, um, full actual intellectual people completely like, um, um, what's the term? Um, I keep pining for, I feel like I'm, I'm missing words in my head today, but pining for, uh, uh, defunding the police and, 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 um, dismantling the police completely. And it just feels like, like I, f- I feel like I'm like the world is actually going insane now. For a while, it felt like I was going insane because I no one I could see was thinking the way I thought. Mm. I was like, oh well, I must be the crazy person because I'm not either a racist or a person who wants to live in like an anarchist dystopian society, mm-hmm. you know. So that, that's that's where I find myself, I guess. How about and, yeah? That's 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 the truth. Yeah. And and um, then when you. Um, even just narrow the world to the world of fellow believers, brothers mm-hmm. and sisters in Christ, or even family members. Sometimes um, I have a friend who uh, her friend's husband has died and she has said that she's going to have a little funeral at the house, but she's not going to require masks. And so mm-hmm. this gal is asking me for advice. How do I tell her that I won't come to that funeral if you don't make everybody wear a mask? Um, and or you know what do, what do I do? And so you have because you have uh, um, some people who don't think the mask helps at all because they don't think the virus is a real threat at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have people who won't wear a mask simply because they're being forced to by their government. And then you have people who are legitimately concerned about health risks. And want to wear masks and want everybody to wear masks. So, um, you know, in a very small circle of uh, normally like-minded people, you could have a wide variety of perspectives on that. These divisions, yeah. Yeah. And so it feels, that's why it feels like to me, I can't please anyone. Yeah. And, and uh, an issue like, like the masks and coronavirus, it's not simply a difference of opinion because it is a safety issue. So, if one person genuinely believes the masks are necessary, you can't just agree to disagree because they feel at risk. And the person who is not willing to wear the mask is putting them at risk in that, in that, um, in that model. It's not as easy as just, right. you know, and does that make it more legitimate because they consider it a health risk than if it was just an opinion? Right. Yeah. I don't know. So, so now I'm more compelled. Now I was thinking about the scripture saying that, um, you know, on the matter of eating food that has been sacrificed to idols or drinking wine. I was thinking this exact same, same street. And as you. It, yeah. And it's saying, you know, the, um, do not offend the weaker brother. Mm-hmm. So is it fair to say that the mask person is the weaker brother and the non mask wearer is the stronger brother, stronger faith, but the stronger faith needs to accommodate, not cause the weaker faith to stumble. So they should wear a mask. Is this your opinion? Um, is no. that a fair? Is that a fair comparison? I think. I think the um, the scenario that Paul's talking about in this scenario are fair comparisons. Um, I wouldn't say that either of those imply a weaker or stronger faith because he's talking about um, how much your faith is in, in in the law or in the new covenant. He, he's talking those two juxtapositions, right? He's talking no, no, no. He's just talking about the uh, the freedom to drink or the freedom to eat meat. That was sacrificed to other gods. So it's a spiritual Potentially, issue. possibly. Well, that's that's the model. That's the problem he's yeah. talking about, right? Okay. 
So, I mean, I'm assuming, if I'm wrong, please. No, but, go ahead. So then, so tell me, follow that trail. I'm trying to see where you're going. So that he's, he's talking about a spirit, um, an explicitly spiritual issue. Some people do not want to risk that because it was sacrificed to other gods. They feel less secure in their faith because they don't feel like they are allowed to do this. And he says, I am so secure in my faith. I am the stronger brother because I do not feel threatened by mm-hmm. that spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. So because this isn't inherently a spiritual issue or explicitly, explicitly a spiritual issue, I wouldn't exactly go on which one's the stronger Which and the weaker. one's stronger, which one's weaker. I would say the stronger brother in this case is the one who forfeits their pride to ease the problem and to not have barriers between each other and between themselves and God. Yeah. So, so the one who says, I'll wear the mask because you feel unsafe. Mm-hmm. Do you think, because Paul's stance was definitely, it seemed to be people pleasing to an extent, you know, the, everything for everybody. His, it seems to be his stance was as a people pleaser. Does and that... yet, well, and yet whenever it was a matter of talking about circumcision, boy, he went to town on them. I yeah. wish you'd go ahead and emasculate yourself, you know, <laughs> uh, because right. he wasn't going to bend an inch on that. And well, so... And... Because that's heresy, basically, isn't it? I mean, the people that yeah. he's talking to. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So uh, just talk about church now. We're going to start regathering sure. church. And the governor says um, he has decided because he is a benevolent dictator and doesn't need the legislative branch or the judicial branch to participate in his decision making mm-hmm. that uh, this health risk legitimizes his dictatorship. <laughs> And so uh, he declares that you can't go to church without a mask. You can't purchase a product without a mask. And if a company sells you a product without a mask, they'll be fined. Yeah. So you go to church. Masks are required by the governor. And um, question one, John, do you go to church? Um, I guess it depends. I, I could see myself going to a Wednesday night. Um, just because they're sparsely more sparsely populated, anyways. Okay. Um, less packed. And that would matter to you because the smaller crowd would be a a, a draw to you for what reason? Uh, it's easier to distance, easier for you guys to keep the requirements oh. that I assume you have, right? Would would Evergreen have to social distance, or would that be yes. just masks? Well, apparently, social distancing isn't enough, and a mask mm-hmm. isn't enough, so you have to social distance and mask. So, for one, it'd be easier to social distance. Um. And, uh, and I don't know why actually I, I, that was just my go-to thought of, of yeah, going I'm, to that first, but, um, I don't know. What do you, I mean, what do you And think? so you go, let's say you go to yeah, a Wednesday night, a worship Wednesday prayer night. night and you're wearing a mask. Yeah. And what do you do if, uh, you're in a pew and now six feet from you to your right or say two rows behind you is a row full of a family unmasked. What do you do? I mean, if they're really, it's from what I understand of the mask thing, it is, um, it is you protecting other people. So the mask stops things coming from your body. Doesn't do as good a job stopping things from other people's bodies. Right. So I wouldn't be putting them at risk. Um, but if they're, if they were say two pews back or over six feet on either side, I probably but they're, they're going to sing, which increases the well, that's true, range huh? of the vapor. That's I didn't think through this possibility. It's good that we're having this conversation before I actually go there. Then, huh? Yeah. So I would probably move. I guess maybe I'd move to to their left or right, so I'm not standing directly in their um, in their spray in their yeah exactly their firing. Okay, range. so you would not discuss it with them. You would just no. adjust your position. But as we said earlier, I don't. Um, it would, there's not anything I can think of right now where I would discuss with them. They could be wearing, you know, a pentagram on their shirt and I wouldn't necessarily go up and talk to them about it, you know? So it's not because you are the conflict avoider. Exactly. Okay. So real quick, my, my question about Paul was more, um, do you think Christians are called to be people pleasers was really my question. Less if Paul was or not, but he seemed to have non conflicting tendencies when he could. Yeah. I would say people are called to be missionaries. And if he thought giving in to your perspectives would give him an, a hearing for the gospel, he would give in to your perspectives. Gotcha. Uh, not because uh, he didn't want to make you offended, but that, so that you would listen to him tell you about Jesus. Gotcha. Okay. That was my that question. That's what I think. So uh, this, is, this is the world I feel like we live in is 
Um, so let me just rattle off a few. First of all, as a pastor in our church, I have people who say, how can you not make people wear masks? And then people say, well, you shouldn't enforce it. Let everybody do what their conscience directs them. And, 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 uh, tell the mask wearers not to, uh, confront the non-mask wearers and tell the non-mask wearers not to be, uh, condescending toward the mask wearers and everybody just get along and do what you think you should do. Um, but then, the, the seriously health-concerned people say, well, no, if you let non-mask wearers in there, tell me that ahead of time so I don't go in there and get sick. So uh, you have this, what feels to me like a very impossible situation, that instead of gathering together to worship Jesus and pursue Christ together, we have to get together and then I have to police the uh, practices of the mask, no mask, and yeah. the... the um, and, and then I have to take a stance. See, this is the part I'm saying is it puts you in a place where you have to take a stance on um, whether you're whether you are, in fact, a mask person or not a mask person. And you're going to govern as the leader one way or the other. So I don't like that world. I don't like right. being put in that position. Yeah, I wouldn't either. I think because in, in that model, it is um, if you don't enforce the mask rule, then the people who are cautious will simply be kind of they won't be able to go to church then by by merit of their own compass right they'll say, well, and they will go. be and they'll be saddened that i don't protect their right to go to church exactly so if you're if even if you don't enforce it you are choosing the other person's side and they will then exactly inherit the, the so non-enforcement turns out to be choosing a side exactly yeah yeah that's tough so it's a no-win deal there and then um one of the things that drives me crazy is for example um I find few conservatives who are willing to acknowledge that President Trump has some character flaws <laughs> and uh, that he says Just some stupid things. Right. Yeah. And so um, so there are a lot of articles out right now that Christians are losing their witness because of their blind allegiance to President Trump. Yeah. And yet you have this scenario where um, – the, the decisions that the president of the United States gets to lead and make and facilitate are really important. And you have a uh, morally comprehensible human being who actually will take the country in a direction that's better than maybe someone who might have a better moral compass. I don't know. But, but their, their politics might be intolerable to you. And so what I want to live in, because I'm an idealist, I want to live in a world where we can just tell the truth about everybody and, and talk the truth about everything. Yeah. Like, hey, I think I, I think that freedoms should be protected. I think that churches should have the right to hire people that are not uh, same sex or that uh, believe in Jesus. You know, you should have these standards for employees as a church, which uh, our morally comprehensible president will defend that. Yeah. And other presidents won't. And so the same about sanctity of life, or you can pick a hundred issues, sure. how the economy will be navigated, whatever. Or, but at or the same time, the Supreme Court justices, that's a big, yes, one. the appointment of future Supreme Court justices. So, but I also at the same time want to call my president to a better moral compass. I want him, I want to admit that he says ridiculous things. And why can't I be for his politics while I'm also uh, telling the truth about his character. Well, and it, I think, I think it's about visibility. So I think the frustrated majority is that way because they're not loud enough. So you can do that. You know, you could say, um, I'm still a voting Republican and I really don't like this guy and I would like to never interact with them face to face. And yet I'm still going to vote for him. You could say that. Um, but that's, you're going to, you're not going to see many people saying that because, um, I don't, it's not it's not a simple message. It's not digestible. I think there are a segment of population that if I said that, I would lose them as my friends. Yeah, yeah, there's that too. <laughs> on on lots of sides. Um, you know, the side that says, how could you give your vote to a morally co- incomprehensible person? Uh, and others would say, how could you criticize your president? But then when there's a different president, they're criticizing the, yeah, they the fool a, out of them. Yeah. Yeah. So again, I feel like I'm in this world where I can't win for losing. Black lives matter. Black lives matter to me. I I think that 
you know, people say, I hear white people say, don't they know that all lives matter? Yes, they know all lives matter. They want to know if you believe black lives matter. Yeah. And I do believe that black lives do matter, but I will never join BLM because they want to defund the police. I think defunding the police is the most stupid, ridiculous idea I've ever heard in my entire life. And that's how I feel about that. But if I talk about that and talk about the concepts of what do you do instead of the police? Right. And who's going to protect us if we defund the police? Uh, then you're, you're again, you're picking sides and you're, you're, you can't please anyone. Yeah. There's actually, uh, uh Terry Cruz has been going through this cause he's, put oh out man, a series he's of getting tweets. beat up. Yeah, he is. But it's the same thing where it's, um, it's for you or against you type stuff. There is no middle ground cause you yeah. can't, you can't push back on one extremist group, uh, which is definitely like, like you're saying the, the BLM proper movement is, is pretty extreme you can't mm-hmm. you can't not inherit their beliefs and still be sympathetic to the greater cause you can't even seem to say that protesting is a beautiful wonderful thing that's been a part of america forever but destroying property is unacceptable practice yeah burning things down vandalizing these are things we should not tolerate well then you're not supporting a movement and we talked about this in the beginning but do you and do you think that this kind of um binary for or against reality is this new or has this been this way for a while i think it's new i think it's been growing but i think it's new Mm. and so where where do you think well let me ask you this how should you live your life john in this climate um should you make an effort to articulate your views and opinions and or should you just shut your mouth so that you can move on peacefully and not have conflict? Well, this is, um, and this is the issue when you present your problems to me is that I don't, um, I'm not a person with, with greater responsibilities. I have private responsibilities. I have responsibilities to my wife and to my family and to my smaller circle, right? My circle is small. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I don't feel the responsibility to share my views on a platform because I don't have a platform anyways. Um, so I feel just fine not voicing those opinions and instead protecting my witness on a smaller scale, um, building relationships, trying to use those relationships the best way, best that I can. Um, and you're uh, able to do that without having to dabble into any of this, right? I don't lose a wink. You don't have anybody in that circle of your circle that disagree on masks and not masks. Oh yeah. 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 I do. Yeah. I have a, a friend who thinks the whole thing is a hoax from the, from the left. Uh, to try and uh, burn the the country down. Okay, so uh, what do you do if you're in a room and they're all in that room? You haven't had that dilemma. No, I haven't had that dilemma. Will you avoid that dilemma? Uh, well, he lives in a different state, um, so that probably wouldn't happen, I guess. But uh, actually, yes, I'm in that room several times when our family gets all together, when all the siblings <laughs> get together, and uh, and yeah, I just hang out. I don't really. You, you don't know, engage. No, not really. And I don't feel necessarily responsible to, again, because I don't have that platform. When you are a leader or when you have a platform and maybe, you know, with whom, uh, how you behave with little, you behave with much. So maybe if I, even if I did, I wouldn't um, use that to the best of its ability. And that could be a bad thing. But And I think that's a, that's a, uh, a humble and accurate assessment. And so um, the question is, you know, should you, because no matter how big your circle gets, you're going to choose that path of least resistance so that you don't create a disruption. Right. And so is that the right decision for a Jesus follower to make? I think what it is for me is that the hills um, that you choose to die on are not any of these. Um, It's not masks. It's not, um, you know, the the racial one is definitely harder when you say like uh, Martin Luther King um, uh, got in his Birmingham life address. Yeah. yeah and, and he called out a lot of uh, religious leaders of the time, faith leaders of the time for saying, this is one of those hills that you should die on. And they, and they like me, were trying to keep the peace. Yeah. Um, and in that case, I'm, I would definitely be on the wrong, but, uh, uh, but like Paul's hills to die on were not um, petty disagreements of, uh, among the church. They mm-hmm. were, heresy they were the the times that he got riled up were people uh holding to the old law or things Mm -hmm. like that so that's the way i view it um but uh, to be transparent you know i don't 
I haven't really uh, died on a hill in a long time, maybe ever. So maybe it is more of a character flaw than a worldview. Because mm-hmm. um, I, yeah, but I don't get in a lot of arguments that, to begin with. So it's hard to, it's hard to assess. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, do you see what I'm saying? About I do. The, I, yeah. it, makes a lot, it makes a lot of sense. And I'm, I'm trying to consider ideologically if you should get yourself off center or if you're doing the wise thing. These things don't matter enough to, um, and and one of the factors that I consider is nobody's listening. Yeah. Everybody's talking, <laughs> but they're not going to consider that they might be wrong. Yeah, but I mean, a lot I, of good listening I, does, right? I mean, people who do listen and don't speak get get roasted too, right? And that's why you can't please anyone. Hmm. So if I say something, I'm damned. If I say nothing, I'm damned. Um. And the problem is nobody is willing to consider a different position than the one they hold. Yeah. So now everybody's immovable and the heat, the pressure's on for you to pick a side. Um, so we, we've established that it's, that it, you can't please anybody. Let's real quick do <laughs> our show and tell, and then we'll do our commercial break. And then we'll say, now that we know that that is true, what do we do next? Okay, and I want, before we do this, just for real quick, um, when I say nobody's listening, mm-hmm. yeah, it may be that people will listen to you and give thoughtful answers to you, but while they're doing that, they truly would not consider changing sides uh, on yeah. their opinion. So I don't mean that they're got their hands over their ears saying, I won't listen to you, I won't listen to you. Some people are like that. It's a good distinction. But, I, but there are people who say, yeah, I'll listen to you, and they'll explore concepts with you. But there's not a chance in the world they're going to change their opinion. That is a good distinction. Yeah. But, but right. and, and on the macro scale, you're definitely right. Nobody's listening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So show and tell. So today's my turn to do some show and tell. And um, this thing I'm going to describe to you, John, see if you can tell me what it is as I describe it, mm-hmm. is a cylinder that is, um, I'm going to say, 13 inches tall. And I'm going to say that it is three and a half inches in, is that radius or diameter? Um, is I, diameter the distance around the circle? That's circumference. Okay, diameter then. It's three and a half inch diameter. And uh, solid black. At the bottom is a uh, aluminum band. And at the top is an aluminum band. And it has a loop handle that's firm plastic. You can grab it with three fingers. And um, you can open and close it. Hmm. Is it a like a hydro flask? It is. It is a Yeti. Oh. I'll show it to you since we're sitting here talking. And we're uh, listeners, we're Zoom recording this, so... John and I see each other while we record remotely from each of our homes. But this is the, there it is. Uh, Your amazing mother, my awesome wife, bought this for me for Father's Day, and I took it on my 11-day motorcycle ride. I just got back from a 11-day, 4,283-mile motorcycle ride. Was that thing? Did your back start to hurt, by the way? I was wondering about that. You're in the same position all day. Was it yeah, uncomfortable? You modify your position every once in a while to change the pressure points. I would put a leg up over the top, um, put a second leg over the top, um, lean way forward to get wind on your back. You know, you just change your position to change the pressure points, and you stop every 120 miles and sure. walk around. This thing kept ice and water cold for days. This thing was a, no a, way. unbelievable. We rode through 98-degree heat up to 103 degrees once. And this thing kept my water ice cold in the trunk of my black. And it's black. Well, it was in a it was in a trunk. Okay. Uh, but I was just blown away. Saved my bacon. Kept me fresh, alert. <laughs> it was wonderful. Calling back to <laughs> probably the best joke we've ever told on the on the. Oh, podcast. I like that joke. Yeah. How does it know? How does it know? It keeps hot things hot and cold <laughs> things cold. How does it know? Amazing. Yeah. So that's my yeti. Awesome. I, I was gonna. Called. I was gonna ask because normally we try to do sentimental items, but if it's from your your wife on it's Father's Day, wife. and it, there it is. 
extremely thoughtful just in time for the motorcycle trip. And I I thought grateful thoughts about her every time I took a drink out of it. Well, that's very sweet. So it was very relationally connected. Nice. Okay. You will get my Yeti when you pry it from my cold, dead fingers. <laughs> and your cold, well-hydrated. That's fingers. right. <laughs> we'll uh, do a quick commercial break, and then we'll uh, we'll come back and, and finish the conversation. Okay. Upstream is supported by the faithful members of the Upstream team, listeners who give monthly through Patreon. This podcast is just one part of the Jim and John ministry. They also write weekly blogs, have published their first book, and are currently at work on more. Their desire is to produce transformational content, as well as offer encouragement and coaching to others. The dream is to see a movement of people who are integrating the work of Jesus into their daily lives, and who are joining Him on His mission to redeem and restore all things. Check out their website at jimandjohn.com, where you can learn more about the father-son duo and gain access to all they have to offer. If you would like to join the Upstream team, consider partnering with Jim and John on patreon.com slash jimandjohn. A link is also available on the homepage of their website. And remember, there's no H in John. Now let's join Jim and John for the home stretch of today's conversation. All right, welcome back. Uh, and thank you for listening. This is thanks 63 for three or no sixty two. No, this is an sixty or sixty one. No, this is sixty two or sixty three. We'll find out. Later, Our numbers but... got mixed up because of last week's John thoughts. It, yes. we now have a non numbered episode. But we should of... number that. Uh, I didn't because it wasn't a, it wasn't like a proper. You know. Yeah, I would like I would like listener feedback on this. I told John that that was upstream with Jim and John. It just had John only, and he, and John says no, that's a completely different thing. So that means we skipped a week of Jim and John, which I have a hard time embracing. Where we, we, we skip don't skip week. weeks. Well, no, then we it's the same product. You you no, can't say it's not Jim and John, but we didn't skip a week. You can't say that. That's if we say this is upstream. See, here with we John. are. I can't please anyone. If we say upstream with John, there's a certain level of quality, right? That's expected. <laughs> and you didn't get that last week. So we can't, you know, you don't slap the Yeti logo on a water bottle. That's not as good as a Yeti because then you hurt the brand. You have a different brand of economy Yetis. Well, let's called, move on because I don't want to, I don't want us to have this. Snowmans. Yeah. I don't want to have this petty fight in front of our <laughs> listeners. So no, this is a free lesson in brand management. Is this that is, what it is? is? Yeah. Good stuff. Okay. <laughs> okay. So you can't please everybody. You can't please anybody. You can't please anyone. What do you do? What do you do next? What's your? How do you navigate that? That is my question. I have my answer securely in my mind. Okay. So I want to hear your answer. Do you have your answer securely in your mind? Yeah, I do. Let's hear it. Okay. I think I feel, um, is the term vindicated? Is that, is that a good That's one? Like I feel, I feel like, uh, um, like my my uh, worldview has been uh, proven right. Is that vindicated? You mean like the same way that um, you've been preparing for a quarantine COVID your whole life, and now you <laughs> now you finally have it like that? No, that's just a good stroke of luck. <laughs> what I mean by this is my view that um, that the greater conversation is not my responsibility, and that the more impact I have and the more meaning I have is going to be on a smaller level, an interpersonal level. Mm-hmm. I feel vindicated there. And I think that is the path forward because one-on-one, like you were saying, and this was actually brought on by the end of the first half, you said no one's listening. And then you, but you brought up this example of a, of a conversation and now people are listening to the conversation. They're just not necessarily looking to get their mind changed, you know, mm-hmm. but they, they'll, they'll listen to you. It's just not going to necessarily go anywhere. And I think the truth to that is that, um, the big conversation is faceless. You, it's not a person talking to a person. It's an, an entire movement versus an, an entire movement or an ideology versus an ideology. There's no faces there, except for if you have, if you're brave enough to have your little face in your Twitter account. Um, <laughs> but but one on one, it's it's very different. Even if you you know, if one of you is a literal Nazi, you can actually have a something of a conversation face to face in some way because you're both humans. You see each other's faces, you know. Um, not that I'm saying you need to have have a bunch of conversations with Nazis. That was just an extreme example of what I'm trying to say. Yeah, is that you can navigate this by uh, not necessarily worrying about the masses. There's a, a few recent instances of uh, entertainment media, one movie and one video game, 
that made people very mad. Made a small amount of people, very loud, small amount of people, very angry. And uh, and the greater lesson was that it didn't matter. That if you looked online, <laughs> you would think, man, everybody hated this. But really, in sales numbers, in performance, in the longevity and integrity of their brand, it didn't matter. They were just they were too small and very loud. And uh, it's not to say that I, I think that the people who want to fully deconstruct the police, and on the other end, the people who think that a race of people is inferior to another race, they are inherently very small groups of people. Uh, and maybe the defunding one or dismantling one not as small as as the um, as I w- I might like it to be or as I might assume it right. is. Point being that concerning yourself constantly with the greater people is fruitless and that I think if you focus small which is probably one of my mantras over the course of these episodes mm-hmm. um, there's a pretty a pretty clear path to, to personal success and so what if someone in your small circle uh, needs you to agree with them or else the relationships fractured then Do that's you... on then that's on them okay so you that's... would not pretend to agree you would not say let's just not talk about that you would you wouldn't just quietly participate the way that it looks like you agree, even though you don't. Um, these I'm not, are the questions I'm asking. Well, I try not to be in the, you know, I try to be, to an extent, everything to everybody, Paul style. Mm-hmm. But I try not to be dishonest about it. Um, I'm not going to lie about even even what I would view as an inconsequential difference. Yeah. Uh, I try not to be dishonest about how I feel about them. So you would rather not express your opinion. Right. But what if you non-verbally, and maybe... This wouldn't happen. But like you mentioned, I asked you at the start of this episode, you go to church, you're wearing a mask, people start seating around you who are not wearing a mask, you would quietly change your seats. This means that you prefer people to wear a mask. Right. Um, well, and I'm not trying to say that I necessarily hide my views either, but but your example was where it would be a deal breaker to the relationship that I hold a different view. Yeah. That now, is, and, and what I would imagine is if you were if you had a person – um, in your small world who said, absolutely, you should not wear a mask. Masks, uh, by definition, should not be worn. Now, that's, a again, that's a small number of people who feel that way. Right. But what if, that, what if one of those people was in your tight circle? And to please them, you need to take your mask off. Right. And so I'm saying that is a barrier put up by that person. And I would, and you would not comply, right? And and be, and if the friendship suffered because of that, I would credit that to them. I would say that is their fault for putting up that specific, yeah, yeah. Um, barrier in the first place. Okay, so to let me, I'm going to stay back what I think you said to me. Okay, and then we get to hear your your hidden yeah, nugget of your of your, insight. your decision in a world where you can't please anyone is to keep your mouth shut and only really. Uh, engage on topics that truly matter and things that are peripheral to essential eternal things you will just minimize the conflict so that you can uh, only become divisive or uh, have conflict on things that truly eternally matter and not just things that truly eternally matter but with people with relationships that truly matter because with them you can please a lot of people face to face yeah. And the people that you can't please on the big macro scale, you're never going to meet anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, turn off your phone and look out your window, climb up to a mountain and look as far as you can see. You're not going to see them because they're on yeah. your little screen. Just turn it <laughs> off. Turn it off and put it away. There it is. Boom. You're good. Relax. Yeah. I remember years ago, I said something in a sermon that offended a guest, a first time guest at the church that day. And, um, they were a professional counselor by trade, oh. and they left the gathering telling the person who brought them, I will never come back here again because they believed that I believed counseling was a waste of time and not a useful practice, which if anybody knows me at all knows that that's not how I feel. Right. I'm a very pro-counselor person and studied counseling, and I'm a big fan of counseling, so I don't know what I said that got uh, still either know. misspoken or misunderstood that made them believe that. But it devastated me. For two days, I'm in the gutter about it, really upset. And, and a friend of mine said, I was uh, 31, and first year of planting a church, and I'm a new pastor. And uh, my youth pastor said to me, 
if you don't want to offend people, you should probably get out of the ministry. Hmm. And in fact, you probably shouldn't be a Christian. Oh, because if, 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 if people being offended by you hurts you this bad, uh, I'd give up my Christianity so that I don't offend people with it because it is going to be inherently offensive to believe that there's one way to God, for example. Um, so, uh, it kind of woke me up to, you can't be owned by the opinions of others. Um, you can't live your life to satisfy other people. So here's my opinion about living in a world where I can't please anyone. And as a pastor, I have to confess to this small listening audience <laughs> yeah. that uh, I've never felt more in an impossible situation as a pastor than I'm in today. Because no matter how we behave when we have public gatherings, no matter what I say, and there are so many things I want to talk about and explore that I cannot say out loud, and I don't have uh, even clear, convicted answers about them. But the mm-hmm. fact that I would open, uh, ask open questions and consider all possibilities would be inherently offensive to people on every side to even explore the concept. So, um, so I, I hate the position I'm in. Yeah. I, I hate it. Yeah, I think, and not to try, not to get the last word in. Feel free to, you know. Oh, I haven't respond, told you what yeah. I'm going to do yet, but go ahead. Oh, well, I guess you're no. Right. So you just, you just further elaborate on the problem. I just set I up the context, but, gotcha. but tell me what you're about to say. Well, it was just that, uh, um, in the same way that that you do need to, that the goal is not to try and offend nobody, because the gospel, especially at its time, was inherently offensive mm-hmm. to basically everybody. Yeah. Except for the people who you know who really needed it, uh, it's instead, uh, um, I guess, loving people enough, uh, loving people more than your opinions on things that. And when I say don't matter, it is your personal belief on what doesn't doesn't matter. So I'm not going to say what you believe doesn't matter. I'm right. saying to me that um, that uh, a person who that if if a mask makes me uncomfortable, that's not a good enough reason to not wear it and make someone uncomfortable. It, right. It's it's the priority level between beliefs and people. And I totally beliefs, agree with that. Right. Then, certain beliefs trump people. But when you're the one who's responsible for the entire room and you choose not to require masks on everyone. Yes. Then now you're you're be, you are defined as I don't support masks. And that is my concession as a person with a small platform and with small yeah. Um, responsibilities. Yeah. And what I believe is that personal responsibility should win the day. But anyway, here's the deal. Yeah, please. What I, what I, because I've wrestled with this ad nauseum, as I think you know. You know, I sat on my deck the other day and made a video of myself processing some of these thoughts because I was so frustrated, and I didn't have any intention of sharing the video with anyone. I just, I just needed to process my thoughts. I shared the video with you, uh, with your mom, just to get some feedback. One other friend. Um, on like, am I losing my ever loving mind Mm -hmm. or do I make any sense here? And so uh, through that process, I reached this conviction that, um, and I'm talking really as a pastor now, as a person who does have people who are watching me and expecting, they have expectations on me uh, because of my role or my uh, position. Yeah. Um, that, um, that I need to have crystal clear convictions between me and God about what I believe to be true. Then I need to have unity among my elder team and my staff team about how we're going to navigate these, um, socially impactful practices. Here's what we're going to do because of these convictions that we believe God has led us to. This is now how we're going to live and then just let the chips fall. Because if I worry about, well, if you choose that, this person's unhappy. And if you choose that, that person's unhappy. Well, which one gives more money to the church? Who cares? Sure. Which one Which one has been your friend for longer? Who cares? I'm now to the place where I have to uh, discover the convictions that are truly deeply held between me and the Lord and then uh, lead from those convictions and let the chips fall because people are all adults. And if they can't handle having a different opinion than their pastor and it makes them run to another church, then I need to let them run to another church Yeah, uh, because I cannot satisfy everybody. And I will, 
I will uh, either die trying or quit because of the pressure to try. Yeah. And so uh, for me, I think even at your level in this, this walk, you have to wrestle with what do I really believe? What do I really believe about how dangerous COVID actually is? What do I really believe about masks? What do I really believe about the governor's right to be a benevolent dictator and uh, neglect using the other two branches of government that are supposed to provide checks and balances? What do I believe about uh, things that should be a ballot initiative versus we don't need a ballot for that? Uh, Whatever, you know, you pick your, what do I believe about protesters? What do I believe about uh, saying out loud, I think black lives really do matter. Uh, I believe the police force should be funded and that I've never met a crooked, horrible cop. I've never met one, you know, to say these things. So uh, I really believe that your principle of the gospel is first, the kingdom of God is first. That's way more important in my opinion about anything. And uh, you have to finally say in the core of your being, this is what I believe. Yeah. And come to peace with the fact that that is not, you're not going to please people with it. Exactly. Inherently. Yeah. Now you don't go beat people up with it and you don't have to shout it from the housetops and you might not ever tell anybody, but at least, you know, this is what I believe. Yeah. And I think that's a really important step. I think, I mean, I think we did it. Yeah. I think we solved it. <laughs> Well, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> this problem is solved. Yeah, we will see. This you next room week. is cleansed. <laughs> next time we're gonna we'll tra- we'll tackle uh, world hunger and racism <laughs> all in one episode, <laughs> and we'll solve those next. Yeah. Hey, thanks for listening. We're really glad you're here. As always, we would love to hear from you, even if we disagree with you. I <laughs> uh, would love to hear from you. Uh, you can email us at info at jimandjohn.com. No H in the John. Check out our blogs there at jimandjohn.com. You can see us on Instagram, Jim and John. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, man, we'd love to hear from you. Tell a friend. And we are really grateful. Yeah, and you can contact us on Instagram as well if you prefer to do that on uh, either private message or comment on our post for the week or you know, however. Awesome. Awesome. We'll see you guys next week.